you've hired a new pastor. Now what? Uh, who is this person that you've hired to be a pastor? Who is it? What are they supposed to be like? Uh, what do they do? What is, what is their life like? What are they supposed to be like? Uh, the reality is this morning is we all have uh, different experiences when it comes to pastors. Uh, some good, some great, and some not so good, right? Some have, have had amazing men uh, and some have had not. Uh, we all have very different expectations of what a pastor should be. Uh, some of you have had a lot of pastors and uh, so you got a lot of expectations. Some of, most, some of us in the room have had one pastor in here for 23 years. And so uh, to say that there's not expectations is a lie. Um, we have a lot of expectations and some have zero expectations. Some have none at all, don't know what to expect. But the reality is, is that we as a church, to know what our expectations should be, to know what we should be looking for is we go to scripture, right? We go to God's word to see what is a pastor. Uh, and so today I want to start a short five-week five series and talk about some very fundamental, basic questions. Uh, I want us to look at what does the Bible have to say about these basic, fundamental questions. Because I want you to understand where I'm at. I want you to understand where our church is at. And how we answer these questions is very important. And so today we're going to look at what is a pastor. Next week, we're going to look at what is the Bible. The next week, what is a church? The next, what is a church member? And then last, what is our mission? And these are really fundamental questions, and you may have a great grasp on them. Uh, but these are very simple yet important questions. They're not the only questions. They're not the only important questions that we need to ask. But how we answer these determines who we become. And it determines where we go as a church. And so I want to outline for you what it, I, what it is that Scripture teaches about these. And then after that, we're going to jump back in to the book of Ephesians and finish that out uh, to Christmas. And so today, I just want to talk about this. And you're like, really? You're really talking to yourself, right? And that's, that's partly true. That I'm preaching this sermon to myself as much as I am to you. But let's look at this today. What is a pastor? There's a simple outline in your bulletin of where we're going and what we're going to talk about. So first, we're going to talk about the three words Scripture uses to describe this one job. We're going to talk about character, who he must be, his actions, what he must do, and his qualifications, how he must do it. And then we'll answer at the end, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Um, so if you do a quick Google search, uh, I, I read out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, and you go online and you do a quick search for the word pastor, you're not going to find very many uh, of those words in your translation, depending on what it is. And the reason for that is that Scripture uses three words to describe this job. Just like I call my wife Madison Marie sometimes, and I call her Maddie other times, and other times I call her mom or that sort of deal. Scripture uses three words to describe uh, this one job. So first it uses shepherd, which is the Greek word poimen, uh, Brother Daryl's not here, so he can't, or he can't critique my pronunciation. Uh, the second is overseer, which is the Greek word episkopos. And third is the word elder, um, presbyteros. So let's look at each one of these. First is shepherd. Shepherd is used a lot in scripture. Uh, but a shepherd in, is this, is someone who spiritually feeds and cares for the body of Christ. Just as a physical shepherd 
feeds and cares for physical sheep. A, a spiritual shepherd in, in Scripture is someone who feeds and cares for the body of Christ. Uh, in Ephesians 4 verse 11, it says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so for the church, this is not a physical sense. You're not sheeple, right? But in a spiritual sense, uh, that is what I am called to do, is to be a shepherd, to care for spiritually. Um, all of this is done, and I got to thinking about this this week. It's all done out of the character of God, right? And so Jesus is described as our great shepherd. He is the great shepherd in so many places. I was reading it in Matthew 2 this week, that Jesus is prophesied from the Old Testament that he would be a shepherd for his people, Israel. John 10, he calls himself what? The good shepherd, right? As opposed to the evil shepherds who have evil intentions for the people. And, and in Revelation 7, at the end of all time, it says that Jesus is sitting on the throne and he's ruling over as a shepherd, right? And so any pastor, any shepherd is an under-shepherd, right? This is not, you don't belong to me, you belong to Jesus, right? And I do my work as a pastor as an under-shepherd to him, doing it as he would. It's all based out of the character of God. So that's the first word scripture uses is shepherd. The second word is overseer. Overseer is the Greek word episkopos. In Latin, bishop, Shane. Shane's trying to give me a nickname, and he wants it to be bishop. And I do not want my nickname to be bishop. So that is publicly known. Uh, but the second word is overseer, and it's uh, the Greek word episkopos. So an overseer is not just a boss. It's not just a leader and a supervisor and a manager. An overseer is someone who watches over something with careful eyes and personal interest. Uh, Acts 20, Acts 20, verse 17. He, this is Paul. We read this last week, and it said, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And we'll get to that word in a second. And then later in 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God with with which he obtained with his own blood. He's telling these elders, these pastors, to pay attention as overseers to care for the church of God. You see all three words being used. Shepherd, pastor, elder, overseer. So oversight might sound like, hey, I'm here today to tell you that I'm your boss. I'm the one on the stage. I'm the one with the mic. Listen to me, Jason. Do what I say. But that is not at all what an overseer is in scripture. That may be your experience of a pastor. That may be your experience. He's the boss. He's in charge. It's his way or the highway. He's, he's controlling or, or overbearing, but, but that's not what overseeing is. To, to exercise oversight, the word means to look at with careful eyes. It's, it's the picture of uh, Will and Lauren have Charlotte who's just started walking, right? And as she's walking, there is a lot of oversight that is happening, right? Because she's dangerous, right? To herself, to her head, to corners of tables. And you don't, you don't watch over her and go, ha ha, you messed up. 
right? That's evil as a parent. You watch over her, why? To care for her, to make sure she stays out of danger, right? That's what oversight is. It's gentle, and it's invested, and it's careful. It's not domineering. It's not, hey, I'm the boss. Listen to me. See, this is who God is, right? If your view of God is that he is this angry man in the sky who's watching your life just waiting to see when you mess up and to strike you with lightning, that's an evil man. God is a God who is, he is an overseer. He's like a father watching their son learn to walk, right? He cares and he has interest in your success. He wants you to succeed. He's not overseeing to, to smite you when you mess up. Right? And this is the second word. We're seeing there's some interchangeability here, right? Scripture's going to use all three words, elders, overseers, shepherds. Third word is the word elder. Elder is the Greek word presbyteros. Our, we have brothers and sisters in Christ, the Presbyterians, right? And they, they get their um, identity from this. But here's what it says. Uh, an elder is someone who has proven themselves faithful to lead and set an example for the flock. And we're going to see this, and we're going to read it here in a little bit, some of the qualifications, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus and Acts 20. And, and these men that are elders have proven themselves to be a leader and to be faithful as an example, right? So elder is not really about age. It has something to do with it. Um, we know, we all know stupid old people. Sorry, that was, that was abrasive. Uh, we know people who are old that may not be wise, right? Age does not necessarily mean wise. Many times it does. Most of the time it does. But this word elder uh, means someone who has proven themselves faithful. And we know because Paul sets Timothy up as an elder. And he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, right? Because elder is not just about age. It's about proving yourself, Proving yourself as an example and as a leader. So if you haven't proven yourself by taking care of a family, if you haven't contributed to your community, if you're not, if you're not serving in your church and reliable in your word and trustworthy in your dealings with people, it doesn't matter how old you are, whether you're an elder, you're not an example or a leader to the flock. See, eldering is, is God's character too, right? Right? Jesus comes on this earth to show us what God is like, and we're trying to live like him. He is our example, right? And this is what 1 Peter 5 says, and this is our main text for the day. So you can flip there and stay there if you want. 1 Peter 5, we're going to see this connection of all three terms. Here's what he says. He says, so I exhort the elders, presbyteros, among you, as a fellow elder, presbyteros, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He tells these men, these elders, he says, shepherd, poimen, the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, episkopos, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Poimain, that's Jesus, when he appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, presbyteros. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
And so what we see here is this, is that, again, you go search for the word pastor, you're not going to find a job description in the Bible. You're going to find three words that are used over and over, elder, overseer, shepherd, pastor. And so what we see is interchangeability. An elder is, an overseer is, a shepherd is. And so we could use whatever word we wanted to, right? We could, right? Some of these words carry more baggage than others. Some of them make more sense in our context than others. And so we're going to use the word pastor, even though it's the least frequently used in Scripture. It doesn't matter. That's the word that makes sense. People understand when you say pastor um, that this is what it means. The other thing we're going to see in Scripture with this, and we, we didn't really jump all into this, but is this, is the idea of shared leadership. Shared leadership. These words are always mentioned in plural. It's pastors, it's overseers, it's shepherds. It's, it's multiple, right? There's multiplicity, there's, there's shared leadership. It's not just one individual who rules and is in charge and makes sure that everybody stays in line. That is not the biblical picture. The biblical picture is always shared leadership. Because this is based in God's character too, if you think about it, right? We, have, we believe that God is, has revealed himself to be a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And yes, it's the Father's will, but it's the, there's mutual submission between the three. And I don't even pretend to be able to explain all of that, right? But there is shared leadership, even over the universe. And that's what's best for a church. See, if we ever get into the situation where the only person that is making decisions or is in charge or is doing anything is me, or any man for that matter, that is a situation that is ripe for bullying, for manipulation, for abuse. That's a, that's a man taking advantage of his leadership role, not shepherding the flock. Singular leadership does not lead to the church thriving. Shared leadership will. And so if we ever get into a situation where I'm the only one doing ministry, it's just me, hey, you come and listen to me, I'll give you what you need to know, and then, you know, we'll see you next week. Bring your money, please, right? If that's ever our situation, then we have missed it as well, right? If this is just about me or just about whoever is on the stage, then we have missed it. This is shared leadership. This doesn't mean that God hasn't given different roles to different people, but it's not about one person, and it's not just about him. And so these are the three words, elder, overseer, shepherd, that we see in Scripture to describe what a pastor is. And so Think about each one of those as we talk about this. Let's talk about his character. Character. Who is it that he's supposed to be? And man, I'm preaching this to myself, right? I'm not presenting myself as fully achieved or fully mature in any of this. But this is the kind of person that God says a pastor should be. Look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 7. He says, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, pastor, elder, shepherd, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. 
For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. There's another list in Titus, Titus chapter 1, just a few pages to your right, starting in verse 5, and here's what he says. He says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you, pastors, shepherds. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. I I didn't list out how many qualifications that is, Gary, because that's a lot. That's a high standard, right? No person is perfect, and no one will perfectly achieve these. And we don't have time to go through each one of these, but here's, I want to bring out a couple points about his character, about who a pastor should be. First is this, being comes before doing. Being, I have a hard time pronouncing this, being comes before doing. And what I mean is who you are comes before what you do. Who you are comes before what you do. Jesus said it, that it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the, the truth is, is that our outer lives, what people see, is just a reflection of what's going on on the inside. It's just a reflection of our heart. And so being matters way more than doing. Character matters way more than what you can do for me. For, for all of us, including our leaders, because our actions are just symptomatic of the, of the disease or the, the, the inner part of our life, right? So who the pastor is, what his reputation is, that matters way more than what he does in Scripture. I don't know that that's how the modern church views it. So many churches, it's about a, a dynamic leader or a CEO or a visionary. And you don't see that anywhere in Scripture. What do you see? A man who loves his wife. A man who takes care of his family, a man who's well thought of, right? You see a humble leader, not a dynamic personality. And that brings us to the second point, is that character matters more than gifting. Character matters way more than gifting. And now we're going to get to this. There is some skill. There is some skill required in being a leader and being a pastor, particularly being able to teach, being able to manage, right? But the bulk of the qualifications are about his character, not what he can do, not what he can contribute. There are so many examples in church history, modern history, current church history of men who have deficient character but are dynamic in the pulpit or are great leaders or visionary or great with money or great with organization. And they take leadership of a church 
and they run it into the ground long term. Why? Because the core was rotten. Because the inner part wasn't there. Their character wasn't up to their gifting. And so what we need, and I say this, you don't need me to be dynamic leader, and I'll do my best. And you don't need me to be a great speaker, and I'm going to do my best. But what you need is we need hearts that are right with God. And that's true for every one of us. We can pretend on the outside, and we can have all the giftings and all the actions. But what, what actually matters is our heart. And that's true for our leaders, too. Third, pastors must live as an example to follow. So many of the things that are listed out in these qualifications are meant to be, hey, be like them. As much as they're like Christ, be like them. And this is a high calling. And the truth is this, it will be imperfect. It will be. No pastor is ever going to be Jesus, including me. No pastor is ever going to be Daryl Smith. No pastor is ever going to be perfect. So being an example doesn't mean that you should put a pastor on a pedestal and say everything he does is right, everything he does is good, he's perfect, he's untouchable. No, no. I need grace as much as you. I, I, I mess up just as much as you, and I need Jesus every day just like you. I'm striving to live my life as an example, how to do this, how to live it out, how to, all that stuff. But it doesn't mean that that I'm the final full example of what that is. Jesus is the only one. He's the only one perfect that we should be following. And so this is his character. This is who he should be. Let's look at next. What are his actions? What are the things that, that a pastor must do? Because there is doing. It's not just being. I don't just hole up in an office and study my Bible all week and pop out on Sunday mornings, right? There's, there's a life. There's living and there's people. So let's look at these actions. What's the doing that flows out of the being? Let's go back to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Verse 1 through 5. And Peter says this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's what he commands in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There are three primary actions, three primary doings that the, the pastors, the shepherds, the elders are commanded to do. First, they are to shepherd the flock that is among you. It means that, that, that we are to take care of the sheep. To take care, right? How do shepherds shepherd? They feed and they bandage and they guide and they lead and they set vision and they guard and they tend to and they fix fences and they do all sorts of things. There's a lot of doing, but the doing is about shepherding the flock, taking care of the flock. That's spiritual. 
right? That is what I am supposed to do as a pastor. That's what you are supposed to do when you pastor. And I think the among you is actually very important here. He says, shepherd the flock among you, right? Shepherds didn't take care of other people's sheep, right? They took care of their sheep. And so my job is not to be a pastor on Facebook, I don't think. My job is not to be a pastor of the people in Lufkin or people in wherever, right? This is my church. These are my people. This is who I am tasked with taking care of. So that's the first doing is shepherding. Second is to exercise oversight. And we've looked at this and talked about this already, but it's to watch over carefully. It's not a, it's not a hierarchy. That's not what the, the picture is. It's not the pastor's on top and everybody else is down here and he's just waiting for you to make a mistake. No, it's, it's careful oversight. It's carefully watching. And so it means so many things. It means to supervise and lead and provide direction and to help and to guide and strategize, to guard against those who would try to divide or distract us, to be a helper, to be a servant, to be in the fight with you. It doesn't separate the pastor from the body. To oversee means to be right there in it. Like shepherds are meant to smell like sheep is how I've heard great men say it. If I'm just holed up in my office all week and I don't know what's going on in your life and I'm not involved in what's going on, then I've missed it. I'm not taking care of sheep. Shepherds are meant to smell like sheep. And then third, the third action of pastors. What are they to do? They are to teach and equip. Teach and equip. And he says it that they are... uh, to all sorts of things in in Titus and in Timothy. There's being able to teach. But there's a lot of connections in Scripture for this word for shepherd and the word teacher. Sometimes it looks like they're one, the shepherd teacher. The primary doing of a pastor is teaching. That is the primary doing, is equipping people, explaining God's word to God's people. And I said this last week, and and I'll say it again now. I got nothing visionary. What I have is God's word, and that's what I want to do. (laughs) I think God's vision for our church is so much bigger than mine. I think what God wants for us is so much more perfect and bigger than what I can bring to the table. And so my primary action is to teach God's word. That's the most important thing I do every week besides love my wife and take care of my kids, is to try to understand God's word and bring it to you to feed spiritually and to guide and direct us. This is not Byron Wisdom Hour, right? If you wanted that, you should have hired somebody older, probably. This is a time to understand God's word. This is a time for God's word to be applied to our lives. When Jesus leaves Peter, the last thing he tells him, when they had that conversation at the beach, he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And he's not saying, hey, go get some hay and bring it to the people. Hey, go feed them biscuits and gravy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, teach them God's word. Give them God's word. And this is why pastors must hold firm to the word, instruct in sound doctrine, rebuke those who contradict it. That's what a pastor does. Shepherd, oversee, and teach. Now, the qualifications matter. How he does it. Because we all know men who have done pastoring or leading or whatever. And have not done it in a godly way. 
have not done it in a healthy way, have not done it in any sort of good way. So how we do that work matters. And, and Peter gives these, these uh, qualifications for how to do it. There are these couplets. He says first that they should do it willingly, not under compulsion. He's going to compare two things. Say it, do this way, not this way. Do it willingly, not under compulsion. Willing means I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm available. I want to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going, eh, that's not my job. Eh, that's not my sheep. Eh, that's not my thing. No, it's, it's being ready to help, to teach, to encourage. Not under compulsion. Compulsion means you're being forced to do it. In, in my house, uh, if I'm forced to do a chore, you can tell it all over my face. And in my attitude. And actually, I get very little credit with my wife if she asks me to do something and I do it with a, a grumpy heart. Right? I do it under compulsion. It doesn't lead to the flourishing of our home. Right? We need men who do this willingly, not under compulsion. Our attitude matters. He says to do it eagerly, not for shameful gain. Eagerly, not for shameful gain. Eagerly is more than just willing. Willing is like, hey, y'all call if you need something. Eager is, hey, I got a plate of food. I'm bringing it over. Right? Eager is action. Eager is passion. Eager is energy and, and going for it. Intention, not just availability. We're to do it eagerly, not for shameful gain. There are men who get into being a pastor or in the church for monetary prosperity. There are men all over preaching a prosperity gospel to gain money and influence, and it is wicked. It is so clearly wicked. We are not to do it for shameful gain. Everything is others-directed. I'm doing it for the sheep, not for myself. It's not for... And maybe more than the, the monetary part, more today probably the shameful gain is trying to become like viral or uh, create an online platform where everybody knows my name and everybody, that's shameful gain. The, the point is not to build me up or to build my voice up or any of that stuff. It's to do it for the church. Some men do it for shameful gain to try to gain power or control, to be on top, to have a sense of accomplishment to. No, that's not what a pastor should do. A pastor does it eagerly, not for shameful gain. They do it as examples, not domineering. They do it as examples, not domineering. So they live their life, they take care of their wife, they handle their finances, all the things that happen in life, they do it to try to be an example just as much as I'm following Christ, follow me, right? Not domineering. Not saying, hey, I'm doing it like this. You do it like this. Hey, you have to do this. Domineering is bullying. It's ruling with an iron fist. That's not a pastor. It's not. It's not. Domineering is, is coercing people to do stuff. Is manipulating people to do stuff. Lording it over them, saying, I'm in charge, you got to do what I say. That's not, that's not how God would have his, his shepherds lead. Not domineering. And so if you find yourself, if I am that way, make me leave. Point it out. Tell me where I'm off. And if I continue to be that way, find another church 
with a man who's not like that. And if you find yourself one day in a church with a man who is a pastor, who is a bully, leave. Do not stay. Because we're to do this work, not as just as examples and not domineering, but as under shepherds, as under shepherds. He says, he talks about the chief shepherd. So the pastor's work is to care for the sheep, but this is at the pleasure of the chief shepherd. This is not mine. I don't all of a sudden own this church. I don't own you. This is all on loan. And one day God's going to come back and he's going to say, what did you do with this? Just like he's going to do with you. He's given you resources and he's given you family. He's given you influence and he's going to say, what have you done? What have you done with it? We're all stewards. So my aim is not to please you. My aim is not to please me. What is the right aim? To please the Father. To please the King who has given us this and has told us to go and reach our community. This doesn't mean I don't listen. It doesn't mean that I'm not available, but it does mean that I'm not about me, right? This is not about building my own kingdom. If this becomes about Byron, if this becomes the Byron show, then we have missed it. If this becomes about me, we should pack it up, shut it down, and move on. No, this is about God. This is about his kingdom. This is about what he wants to do. We need these kind of leaders. And I am preaching this, and I feel the I fall short. I already feel it. Why? Why does this matter? Why is this the sermon I'm preaching? And the answer I can think of is this. Who we follow and learn from matters because it shapes us and it forms us. Who you allow as an influence into your life to teach and learn from and soak up their example, it matters. You become like the people you follow. And so this matters because the way we answer this, the way I pastor and the way you follow and the way we go together matters because it determines who we become. If we have godly pastors equipping the saints, then we will become more and more united. We will become more and more mature and we will become more and more sound in doctrine and we will see more and more people come to know Christ. That's why it matters. It's important who our leaders are. If we don't have these, we'll become more and more divided. We'll become more and more immature and we'll become more and more deceived by the winds and waves of doctrine in this world. I want us to become united. I want us to become mature. I want us to become sound in doctrine and to reach Huntington with the gospel who desperately needs it. That's what I want. And I want to be that kind of pastor. And I'm excited for it. I'm pumped. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to see all that God does here. And so we're going to close today. And the band's going to come forward and, and lead a final song. And the reason we do it this way is this. Uh, hearing God's word should always produce two things in us. First, worship. And second, obedience. When we hear God's word preached, we don't just do it to tickle my fancy so I can get my words out for the week. We do it to produce worship. And so we're going to close and we're going to sing a song of worship to close. Um, and then second, 
It's about obedience. We're not just to be hearers of the word. We're to be doers of the word. And so we're to leave here and go and do what God has called us to do. So they're going to come forward. Y'all come on. And we're going to sing. And if you want to come and pray, if you want to come to the altar and you want to, you want to do that, that's great. I'm going to be available after the service to talk so that I can hear you because I have bad hearing. And so that we can have a legitimate conversation. All right? I'm available. I have as much time as you need. But that's what hearing God's word should do. It should produce worship and it should produce obedience. And so let me pray for us. And then we're going to worship and we're going to go and do what God's word says. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for the wisdom in it. God, I, I pray that you would help me to be uh, be a pastor like your word lays out. God, I thank you for grace, and I thank you for Jesus who loves us and uh, knew where we would fall short and yet died for us anyway. God, I thank you for that grace. God, I pray this week, God, that we would live as stewards. We'd live as examples, God. We would, we would aspire to live like, like these godly men that we read about. God, I pray that you would be with us as a church. I pray that you would direct our steps. God, I pray that you would make us mature and united and sound in doctrine. God, so that we would reach our community for Christ who desperately needs you. God, I love you. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen.